1: It's voting day. If you don't vote, you can't complain. You know what I'm going to complain about this year? People that say if you don't vote, you can't complain. Because trust me, people can complain. Anyway, um, what do we have here? The most expensive U.S. Senate race in history. North Carolina voters are set to choose between Democratic incumbent Kay Hagan and Republican Tom Tillis. In a matchup that will help decide majority control of the chamber. This is a big one. How much money was spent? You ask, what do you think the most expensive Senate race of all time is? More than $108 million. Yet the candidates remain nearly tied ahead of the election day, with real clear politics poll averaging, showing Hagan up by just seven-tenths of a percentage point. Wow. One hundred and eight million dollars. Can you imagine? We've got people starving in America, we've got kids who can't repay their school loans, and we could run a campaign for one hundred and eight million dollars, and someone loses. Um, it's election day, right? Election day is big on Wall Street. For the three months following midterms elections, the SP 500' up seventeen out of eighteen times in history. For the six months following midterm elections, the stock market's up 18 out of 18 times. And for the 12 months following midterm elections, the stock market, S&P 500, is up 18 out of 18 times. Holy shnikes, right? Are you with me? Because if you're not with me, you're against me, and this is a civil war. The elections for 36 governors and 36 senators won't have much immediate impact on the United States policy of corporate profits. After all, government is already split between the two parties and certain to remain so after the election, for sure. The current House of Representatives has 233 Republicans, 199 Democrats, and three vacancies. One of them is going to be a GOP safe to say, and two are going to be safe to say Democrat. It's widely expected the GOP will pick up five to ten seats, and a pickup of 13 would give them the largest House majority since 1932. The House will remain Republican, and of course the presidency will remain Democrat. The focus is on the Senate, where the current Democrats have an edge of 55 to 45. Most analysts expect the Republicans to pick up six to nine seats, and thus take control with 51 or more senators. A more fundamental, undeniable impact on corporations is the strength of the dollar. Back to the Senate real quick. What we're likely to see for Obama is when the Republicans, if the Republicans today take back the House, um, the Senate... Excuse me. Um, you're going to likely see, you know, the left policies of Obama be given up on. And you're going to likely see more like corporate tax reform, and Wall Street likes that. So that's a positive for the markets. Maybe gridlock, which sometimes Wall Street, usually Wall Street really likes, but the last couple of years when we've had budget impasses, Wall Street didn't like more fundamental undeniable impact on corporations is the strength of the dollar recently, which is down slightly today. Um, A strong dollar has most always been considered a positive sign for the U.S. stock market in the last three decades, but today it's not. A strong dollar reduces not only U.S. exports, but also reduces U.S. overseas profits when translated back into U.S. dollars. Hedging simply cannot eliminate this increasingly important impact. A return to the more typical morning notes out there. Off of politics and off of earnings and the dollar. The Eurozone, um, you saw a reduction in the economic forecasts. The EU's cutting GDP growth for the Eurozone to a meager 8 tenths of a percent, down from 1.1 percent. What else? Alibaba reported earnings about as expected, stock is slightly lower. Archer Daniels, CVS, International Paper, and Valero had generally good reports. Priceline reported good numbers that warned of lower-than-expected upcoming revenue, and profits stock is down today. Trade deficit for September rose slightly to $43 billion from $40.9 billion. New market impact on that one. None whatsoever. Anyhow, and anyway... Taking a look at the numbers today, let's see what we have, we have the S&P 500 down 5, the Dow down 1, the NASDAQ down 12. Importantly, oil is down 2% to $77.22, it's below that 80. Um, Cheap oil is both good and bad, it's a bit of a double-edged sword falling oil has been somewhat of a double-edged sword because it's drag on earnings from energy companies. The positives from, you know, traditionally outweighed the negatives, but that's starting to shift now that the United States has become such a big oil producer. When oil pr- and do, you, do you feel that? Do you feel like we're a big oil producer now? When oil prices fall, at least in the past, we've gotten a huge benefit from that. It acts like a consumption tax in the United States. Since we're the marginal producer rather than the consumer of oil, it doesn't have the same positive effects as it did. With crude prices around the world hitting multi-year lows, stocks on Wall Street have come under pressure. Names like ExxonMobil and Chevron are some big losers. Of note, of recent, I own shares of Chevron. Saudi Arabia riled the oil market. They cut export prices to the United States. Yesterday, that coupled with OPEC showing no signs of scaling back output has put a lot of pressure on oil. Um, Russia's in trouble. Lower oil prices are net positive for the United States, but for Russia, it's not. They have a lot of pressure to try to raise revenue right now. They're pumping as much oil and gas as they possibly can, and again, that's kind of hurting because it's a supply and demand game. Um, in a recession, I'm a okay-looking man. I'm a little on the handsome side with a good job. Uh, In a recession where people lose their jobs, I'm a lot more attractive. And then in a booming economy where everyone has jobs, I'm a little less so, supply and demand. Um, There's a city called Denver that's got the nickname of Minver. a lot more men than women. So I tell single women, if you want a man, like it's important to you. If that's super like edgy to you, well, freeze your eggs or consider moving to Denver. It's a supply and demand. That's how Wall Street works, right? Incoming um, tw- inequality is still very much an issue in these elections. What else do we have for you out there today? Airlines make $49.9 billion on customer fees. Don't Doesn't that suck? Like, you go out, you shop for a good price, you're like, woohoo, good price. <coughs> and then those fees just start pounding you. Airline claims that they need to levy these charges to remain profitable. The entire sum involved is so huge that it certainly helps the industry. Hey, with the falling price of oil, airlines look a little more attractive, especially if we can get good job numbers on Friday. Most of the additional revenue generated comes from two sources, onboard sales of food and beverages, and checked packages. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Pick up the phone and give me a call 800 516 1220. Headline news today, it's election day. Alibaba, profit down, revenue up, and its first report as a listed company said earnings plunged after handing out stock awards to employees, but stressed that its e-commerce business is growing well. The Saudi price cut on oil has upended the oil market, sending a lot of oil shares down today, big oil tech, uh, big oil companies, integrated oil. Oil prices tumbled to their lowest point in more than two years. The decision by the world's largest oil exporter sent the Dow Industrials into negative territory on concerns about the pace of global growth. The move heightened worries over the resilience of the U.S. oil industry. While lower crude prices generally help consumers by reducing the amount they pay for gasoline. Falling energy prices squeeze profit margins in a lot of energy companies, particularly smaller firms or those with very large debt loads. So, it's interesting to note that Saudi Arabia raised the price for its oil in other locations, including Asia, where the country had cut its prices for four consecutive months. Interesting how you fight a war, and a lot of people would not even know that. Time Magazine, the former Time Warner publishing business, lowered its revenue outlook as the company looks to counteract weakness in print advertising. I can't imagine picking up a... uh, Time magazine at this point in time. They lowered their, unless of course I'm man of the year, then I'll pick it up. Time lowered their full year revenue outlook. Um, Sports Illustrated also. Second quarterly earnings report since it split from Time War. The company said it now expects full year revenue in the range of 3.2 to 3.3 billion. So it's not bad. It's more than I would have thought. Profit of just 48 million, though. It's a lot less than I would have thought. Um, It's that traditional print publication where it's just dying. It's dying, man. It's dying. Apple and Google. in Disney video deal. Interesting. Well, Disney has achieved something that many in Hollywood and Silicon Valley have been attempting for years, getting Apple and Google to play nicely together. In an unprecedented agreement to share rights to digital content, the two tech giants will allow consumers who buy a Disney movie from either their online stores to watch on their smartphones, tablets, and other digital services. Starting today... People who register with Disney's Movies Anywhere app and buy a copy of Frozen from the Google Play Store on an Android tablet can later watch the film on an Apple TV through their iTunes library. Cool. Apple has restricted movies, TV shows, and other content to its own family of iOS devices along with Mac or Windows computers. Google placed similar restrictions on its digital store and Android-powered devices. This should help, you know, um, unlock consumers from, you know, one or... uh, the previous system locked you in to the hardware company. Now, maybe not so much so. Both Apple and Google will pay Disney a wholesale rate for each copy of the film that they sell and keep any profits regardless of the devices on which people watch. Very cool. We're starting to get it. Some companies are. Disney gets it. I'll say that. Let it go. Let it go. How many frozen princesses did you see this year? S&P 500 is down to 8000 down twenty four. with the NASDAQ is down nineteen. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, host of Focus on Wealth, heard daily from noon to one on this very station. Mr. Burton, you are a CFP. One of the things you do are financial plans, and when you retire you should have a financial plan worked up. Um, one of the things I think that confuses people is how much stocks versus bonds should I have? Because there's old rules of thumb. And there's new rules of thumb, but there's also dynamic situations where, you know, people can throw that scenario still out the window. Yeah. You know, the 60-40 stock to bond and pull out 3 to 4% per year. Mm, if you've got too much money or too little money, like, that may not be right for you.
2: No, and like I've said before, what you do is you have, you know, three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash, and you have your allocation that you, you take your dividends and interest from that, and then you pull off growth to replenish what you've spent. And that over time will equal typically a 4 to 5% draw rate. Same time, if you're super wealthy, you could have three to five years' worth of expenses in cash. And everything in stocks, if you can handle the volatility, as long as you don't sell when there's a big decline. So it's it's different for everybody. Um, the typical allocation that I see for most retired people that you know take a risk tolerance in-depth questionnaire and then they have enough assets to actually retire – Three years worth of expenses in cash and the rest in typically a 55-45 stock bond split or 65-35. If you're doing much less than 50% or so in stocks, you better hope you have a lot of money because your fixed income isn't going to be earning a lot in the next five years.
1: Now with, you know, we go through interest rate periods that are low, interest rate periods that are higher, more normalized. Does the strategy change?
2: Well, I mean, here's the deal: we we think about the stock market and everything is returning to the mean, right? And in, I don't know. It's in theory, the, way the stock market has, I mean, it's averaged eleven percent for the last hundred plus years. Um, but the longer you deal with a low period of interest rate environment, you know, the mean actually ends up coming down after after a while. So, you know, an average fixed income portfolio would have earned five to six percent if you had run those numbers prior to the year two thousand six.
1: Do you ever um, get worried that, you know, you said we always return to the norm, but you hear economists, you hear market strategists say, you know, we're going to be in prolonged low interest rates for a long, it's going to be the new norm. Like we're going to have to continue to do quantitative easing three is every time we four, five, six, whatever it is, Right. Um, that we're going to always going to have to come back to these policies because when you start raising rates, people won't be normalized. They won't find them normal. They'll find them super high.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the issue is that the are these economies going to get addicted to quantitative easing? If you look at the stock market chart, every time some sort of level of quantitative easing was announced, yeah. big uh, big, big jump in the stock market. Every time that quantitative easing period ended, there was a decline. There was a correction of usually around 7 to 8%, then another announcement of a continuation and then another uptick in the market. So hey, yeah, I mean it's 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 a real issue that we have to be concerned about. And the good thing about low interest rates is that it helps the stock market.
1: That's fair. If you're in the stock market, mm-hmm. so but I'm, if you have
2: an underallocation to stocks, you're hurting. Right.
1: I'm with you. Um, as far as having enough stocks versus bonds, um, do you tend to skew for your clients more towards value, or is it it depends on scenario?
2: Yeah, I mean like I've said before, I like dividend growth model of companies that have a history of raising their dividend year over year um, but we also look at things like growth and revenue. so I'm not looking for high yield stocks. if a stock has one percent yield but a history of raising their dividend yeah. it, um and it looks like you know strong free cash flow and everything else, it's going it can make the portfolio. so it's not about yield. I think investing for yield yeah. for the high dividend will make your stock portfolio way too sensitive to interest rate re- movements. I like growth and income. I like the combination of the two.
1: Are you just using a Bloomberg terminal to screen for histories of dividend increases? And
2: yeah. Yeah, we can, we can create a screening list that looks at, uh, you know, companies with yields over 1%. Over so We don't like to trade small cap stocks. We let the funds uh, do that if we're going to get small cap exposure. Um, so we have, you know, quite a few factors that go into the screen. and narrows the stock universe down to about 250 companies that make that screen. And then we try to diversify among the
1: different sectors. Okay. Anything else we need to know about this topic or is that about it? No, I
2: think that people just need to be aware of of the volatility that's going to be in their portfolio if they're taking more risk and they're using stocks for the yield. And rather than panic and feel like you have to sell when there's a 10, 15, 20% correction, you need to take a breath and relax and say, is this company still increasing their dividends? If they are, don't sell Um, unless there's something fundamentally that's going to affect their free cash flow. Kick back and say, okay, I'm going to get paid to wait.
1: Last thought, would you prefer that people be in ETFs that have dividends or would you prefer individual stocks that have dividends?
2: Most people should just be in ETFs. I mean, you're, you're seriously, you're paying, you know, six-tenths of 1% in many cases to have a very diversified approach to to these stocks. And when I got yep. into the business, most mutual funds were charging over 1%. Yep. And so it's almost free to invest these days.
1: C.F.P. Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I remember as a kid, I know you're going to say, please tell us a childhood story, but make it quick. I remember as a kid, McDonald's had that Monopoly game. And I remembered, like, this was going to be my ticket to millions. All I had to do was get two simple cars. I knew I was going to do it. Despite our lives ever more digital... Despite our lives ever more advanced, despite the fact that I no longer eat a McDonald's, the Monopoly game is still a pretty big throwback, and people love it. Um, It's been rolled out in recent years as a promotion for McDonald's. You can still play on the web for several more days until November 10, even though the in-store game ended October 27th, It's nostalgic. A lot of people like playing McDonald's uh, Monopoly game. Uh, each time you purchase an item at McDonald's, there's a peel-off sticker with two stamps. You can either win prizes immediately with those stamps, or you can collect combination stickers to get a prize. For the online version, you're saying, you enter the game code found on the stamp to find out if you've won. From its start in 1987 until its present day, Monopoly has been a regular presence at the Golden Arches. See, I thought it went back further. That's that's horrific that I was eating McDonald's in 1987. For the record, I love McDonald's stock, with long-term patient investor who's looking for value and a little bit of income. I'm surprised that people are still eating it should be uh, the the tag phrase, right? Don't be a hare. The prices of course have changed this year for instance the first Time the game includes a chance to meet pro athletes: LeBron James, Patrick Kane, Alex Morgan, Jamie McMurray. Ooh, to meet a celebrity! Cash amount has changed; it's up to tenfold. Oh boy! Now it's $525 dollars of prizes this year—half a billion dollars. We just gotta let it go. 800 516 1220 to get your calls in the air. Lots to think about. Google's revealing its next attack on Amazon. Keep in mind this is a big company and last week the CEO Larry Page was, you know, bashing Silicon Valley for not thinking big enough for not thinking of things like disease-seeking nanoparticles and smart contact lenses. Keep in mind they have a share price that they can basically do whatever research and development they want to do for whatever period of time. Google's put in its efforts in catching Amazon in cloud computing. Amazon has been the leader in the cloud space for years. Cloud service providers like Amazon, Google, and Microsoft let other companies save money on hardware by charging them to use their servers, storage, and database resources. In 2013, Amazon Web Services had more revenue than Microsoft Azure. Google Cloud platforms combined. Google's hosting an event today to talk about its cloud services, um, and it's going to announce some new offerings to make it easier for customers to set up cloud services. It hopes help make it more of an attractive option compared to Amazon. So there's price wars that go on. Amazon's web services, just to show you how important it is, of how much server space they have. Amazon Web Services accounted for 37% of the $9 billion infrastructure as a service. Infrastructure as a service, I-A-A-S. Gardner reports that the market will grow 35% a year to $42 billion by 2018. It's only at $9 billion right now. Um, Determined to close that gap, and I would bet that they could do it. So, I like shares of Google. I like shares of Apple. I like shares of Disney. I like shares of Nike. It's not that hard to come up with a shopping list of great companies that when there's a bad market, you love. Um, The CEO of Tinder is out. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, don't you kind of wish that, you know, they swiped right on him? Um, Or is it swiping left? I don't even know. There, a board (laughs) meeting. His picture comes up on the screen. You're out. Uh, insiders say Tinder's recent sexual harassment lawsuit was to also to blame for Rad's downfall. Um, he's going to stay on as CEO until the company finds an Eric Schmidt-like person, older. They're looking for someone who's more experienced to replace him. He was really good friends with Justine Matin, who also helped found the company. But last year, Tinder's co-founder, Whitney Wolf, accused Rad, as well as co-founder, Justine Matin. Uh, of sexual harassment. the suit was settled. Um, the big question on Tinder is how are they going to roll out a premium product? Um, it looks like they're going to try to get a travel feature, allowing users to visit other cities, uh, swipe through matches there, and an undo feature. Um, is that premium? Or are you willing to pay for that? You know, I could see how some people visiting other cities would be like, hey. Hey, let's get a match before I show up. Hey. Um, but it's just kind of creepy to me. And I could also see maybe, like, if you're living in the middle of Oklahoma and you want to try to find someone in Oklahoma City 400 miles away, how that might be a little bit easier for you to find a match, per se. Uh, Taking a look at the clock. We are running out of time, so let me get some market data pushed into you. The European Commission lowers their 2014 GDP forecast to eight-tenths of a percent, strength of day in consumer staples, healthcare, industrials, technology, utilities, telco services, weakness in consumer discretionary, and energy. Energy. Oh, pros and cons. You know, we started fracking, and we started getting more oil out of North Dakota, South Dakota. I could have come up with a reason to, you know, not turn one of those two states into a prison state, but now that we found oil, and we're getting it out easier, smoother, um, it's interesting. It's a little bit more of a play. Did I tell you, do you remember this story? Last year I did a story about North Dakota and how they, the, the stories, there, like Walmart. They just put stuff on the floor because they don't have employees. To, like, they're all oil workers. But there was stories out there last year that exotic dancers were going to Oklahoma and making $300,000 a year because there's no women. Uh, Supply and demand. Supply and demand. An entrepreneur is selling the most expensive home in San Francisco, $39 million. The home belongs to chef Roxanne Klein and serial entrepreneur Michael Klein, who founded and sold three telecommunication companies before starting a guitar manufacturing company called Modulus Guitars. Um, It's very chic. It is San Francisco's most expensive home. Wow, $39 million. What's it get you, you know, right? Do you get anything like free parking? There's parking, of course. Um, Samsung, recent reports are now starting to basically say that they're the middle phone company. They're not low-end. They're definitely not high-end. So they said with the S6, they're going to start from scratch in order to spark some new momentum for the company's flagship line. Uh, The S6 will feature a super-dense, high-quality display that's powered by a new Samsung-made chip with desktop-class 64-bit architecture. The only version of Android that supports 64-bit Android is 5.0 Lollipop, so you can expect the phone to ship with that software. Um, They'll have a new Broadcom chip that packs GPS and other sensors like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth onto one single chip and will reportedly ship with 3 gigabytes of RAM. Um, So in terms of tech specs, you know, we don't know about battery life or screen size, but it would be pretty different than the S5, and they need it because they're starting to fall pretty far behind Apple. 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Oil's the story of the day. Weaker oil is good and bad. A lot of our economy, not a lot of our economy, but a bigger part of our economy is counting on oil at $80, 90 not at $77, $70. What direction do we go from here? Very interesting. I'm Rob Black. Call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We'll take it right here. Be right back.
3: I told my story in reverse, cause it hurts. Girl, it hurts too much to bear. But I'm tantalized by their legs and long hair. But if I could do it again, I would do it again. If I could do it Chatting, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
1: Still looking for the answer to what does the fox say? I don't have it. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 516 to get your calls in the air. I will do everything I can though to give you other pieces of information, as best as I can. We had a caller. She dropped off. Too bad. So sad. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Typically, first hour is more business and Wall Street and stories. Second hour, I try to stretch a little bit into theory on investing and who should be and who shouldn't be. Um, Just throwing it out there for you. Like, there's no rules here. I won't burp on air. I've thought about it, but I won't do it. Um, Stock getting hit today, and this is a good lesson. And Let's see if we can't play with it a little bit and see if we can't all agree or disagree or hate each other. Because there is good money and good radio and hate, right? Um, Herbalife. Herbalife is a publicly traded company. And you don't have to go too far to see our, you know, big advertiser on the LA Galaxy's uniforms. Stock's down 20% today. Earlier this year, the stock hit 80. Now it's down to 44. $4 billion market valuation. Um, Herbalife's got a weight loss issue. (laughs) Ticker symbol HLF. What do they do? Um, it's a weight loss supplement or is it a way of life we don't know Herbalife manufactures and distributes weight control products that include meal replacement snacks and enhancers it offers nutritional supplements including products designed for everyday wellness and healthy aging energy, sports, fitness products skin care products their offerings are sold in 90 countries its multi-level marketing program involves more than 3 million independent distributors throughout the world as well as retail partners in some regions Some of its independent distributors are actually individual customers who buy the product at a discounted rate. It's a pretty confusing company, all things considered. Um, It is multi-level marketing, which is why some people think the stock goes to zero. It is getting hit pretty hard today. So, a stock that goes from 80 to 40 and relies on people to become members, and let me give you a quick example A friend of mine, beautiful woman, beautiful woman, like, I'm not objectifying, but I guess I am objectifying, smart, intelligent, classy, um, has a child, divorcee, and, you know, she becomes like a massage therapist, trying to make ends meet while the, you know, alimony is still coming in, and then on top of it, she joins Herbalife because, you know, she could sell nutritional products, and she tried hard to get all of her friends to jump in. And there's just no going. You know, it's underperformed the S P 500 by over 50% this year. Um, that's going to make it very, very difficult for people to, to even care about the company going forward, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, it's a stock I would stay away from. It's a little bit of a, as I would refer to it, a little bit of a civil war kind of company. And it's tough to win in those scenarios. There's a lot of people who hate it. There's a lot of people who love it. And that's too much for me. So it's got a P.E. ratio of about nine. Market cap of about four billion. Um, dividend yield of about 2.6%. Carl Icahn loves it or thinks it can go higher. Bill Ackman thinks it can go lower. They'll get on TV and debate each other. And that creeps me out enormously. Income has been going lower for the last four quarters. It kind of hit $150 million, $150 million, $120 million, $75 million, $120 million. So they've recently had a little bit of a bounce back. But... Then again, they also had, you know, just a horrible, horrible um, quarter and guidance. Uh, volume growth was negative. Sales growth was negative 5%. Um, for 2015, they look at volume growth as flat. Sales growth is 1% to 2%. A lot of free cash flow. So where's the support on the stock? Like technically, if you were to say, I want to jump in and, and take a uh, take a shot at this one. Be careful. Um, it's probably right around here. On really rough days, you kind of could kind of gauge where a company's bottom is. Probably has a couple more days of selling pressure um, as people are starting to go. Okay, end of the year. I got to sell my loser. I got to harvest some losses. We always think of harvesting blood, blood, blood. Um, But back in late September, the stock hit about $40 a share, $38 a share, and now it's at 44, had a little bit of recovery. So somewhere around 42, 44, it looks like it could be, quote unquote, a double bottom um, until there's more bad news. And that's the problem with investing, until there's more bad news. 800-516-1220 Uh, 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I don't believe in, like I said, going after. Um, I don't believe in going after companies that are just they're too, too hot. So on Friday, Herbalife agreed to pay $15 million to settle a class action lawsuit filed by a former distributor who claimed the company was running a pyramid scheme. For nearly 23 months, Bill Ackman, who runs Persian Square Capital, has been crusading against Herbalife. Ackman gave back in December 2012 a 342-slide presentation saying that he was short $1 billion worth of the company. It's his contention that the company operates a pyramid scheme. Um, Again, too hot for me. I, I don't, it's really tough to play in those kind of conditions as an investor. What you should not buy and what you should buy in the month of November Um, You know, Black Friday is coming up not too far from now. TV inventory will get very, very attractive. HD TVs will sink to their deepest discounts this month, and good deals will continue through December. Tablets and laptops will also see bargain offerings start to pick up. Halloween items, if you want to pick up some gear for next year, uh, now is the time to do it, 50% off. Toolkits make a welcome gift for me. Um, I think, anyway, everyone should have a toolkit. This month kicks off prime time to buy some. Some of the best sales of the year likely to surface on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Cookware and home goods. While prepping that Thanksgiving meal, um, cleaning the house. Good news if your vacuum's on its last wheel. It's typically a good time to get a new one. Good time to get, you know, some new cookware. A lot of Black Friday, Cyber Monday type of deals. Lots. Clothing. Uh, Maybe on a lot of wish lists, but you'll have to wait until January for the best markdowns on winter clothes. Um, If you've recently become engaged, a wedding dress is something you want to buy now. November is a very slow month for bridal retail. As you can imagine, no one wants to get married at Christmas, or maybe they do. Anyhow, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. It's a great way to support me. Just follow me. Take a break here. Be right back. Thanks for listening to the show. Any topics you want me to talk about, I'll gladly do. Um, I do come back to a lot of, you know, boring names, and I know that. And part of it is, you know, I could talk about Alibaba, and should you invest in it or not. If you've got time, and you've got a way to fund investing on a regular basis, you can scale into anything you want. Now some of them will make obviously more sense than others. Um, so please note that, uh, great way to get into, you know, a lot of trouble in investing is to go a little bit too aggressive. Now, there's, like, hurricane plays, where you can invest in plays that are tied towards hurricanes, and, you know, those will include things like, uh, construction companies, Maztac, Unitac, um... Companies like Floor, um, M-Core, companies that can, you know, obviously rebuild things. Home Depot would be one. There's, you know, there's themes, and I want you to be intelligent about it. Um, I want you to be patient. You know, I think there's winners uh, that sometimes don't play out the way you want them to. Like, NVIDIA once was this cutting-edge tech company. Are they today? Yeah, but there's a lot of competition. Best Buy once was sweeping across America. What are they today? They're struggling to compete with Amazon. I wouldn't say struggling, but their easy days are behind them. Walmart's had a tough formula for reinventing growth in large part because, you know, there's not a lot of wage inflation going on. So they're, doing, they're putting in position a lot of smart things uh, for the future. I like Home Depot. You know, I'm not afraid to say that out loud. I think they're very unique at what they do. I think they will run a risk of valuation on a pretty regular basis. It's more expensive than the market. So, do I want you to own Home Depot? Yes, but only when it pulls back 10, 15, 20 percent. Only when something bad happens is when you start to accumulate it. It's. I think investing is the biggest no-brainer. And when people say no, it's the biggest no-brainer, you really have to be careful because that's a scary thing to say. I'll be honest with you. Um, there's so many ways to invest. Oil service, new energy, hospitals. You think hospitals or HMOs are going to go out of business anytime soon? Probably not. Genomics. Um, that's one that has obviously changed a lot in the last five years with mergers and acquisitions. I had a list of 10 stocks in genomics that I, you know, I used to follow, and five of the 10 have been acquired. So take that, you know. Um, but some of the ones that are still around, uh, Excellus, Myriad Genetics. Um, there was a company called Aphometrics at one point in time that's no longer. Um, things change pretty aggressively. Myriad uh, is, you know, some of the genetic plays out there. And sometimes like a genomic play will get, you know, play in large part because of a, you know, court case or a breakthrough. Uh, I can pull out, you know, beer stocks, Budweiser. They all have great names, by the way. Uh, Diageo. Um. Uh, Samuel Adams, uh, SAB Molson Coors, ticker symbol TAP, Budweiser, ticker symbol BUD, Sam Adams, Boston Beer, ticker symbol SAM. Um, So I I throw that out again not to, like, say, hey, invest in beer, but there's so many types of investments out there that I don't think people stop and, like, think about. Um, And some of them are pretty darn good. I won't go as far as say pretty darn tasty because that might get me in trouble. But uh, I like Nike. You know, I like Disney. I always have something out there that I'm very, very comfortable with um, as far as investing. And I can always find something in any stock market. I don't have to, you know, be right today. I want it to work over time. And I think that's, you know, kind of an important thing to learn. Uh, credit card companies. How many credit card companies do you see going out of business? I don't see many, to be quite honest with you. In um, a pullback, I see a lot of them acquired. So throw that out there for you. Um, other things to consider. You know, having a watch list of things you won't always want to have. Um, like oil's subtly on sale pretty aggressively here. So, if you've ever wanted to pick up, let's say at ExxonMobil, and when I say oil's on sale, the price of oil has fallen a lot. So, ExxonMobil's gone from $104, almost $105, down to 94 So, that's a good 10% correction, roughly. Um, is that enough for you? It trades at a P of 12 times this year's earnings. It's looking at a PE of next year's 13, that tells you that there's a problem with the price of oil. It may take a while for it to, you know, do what it, you want it to do for you, but it has a dividend yield of 2.9%. AT&T's got a dividend yield of 5.3%. I own shares of AT&T. I'm not too proud to say that. I prefer shares of Verizon, because I think it has a little bit more of a growth component with their all-digital fiber network, where they're moving everything onto to it. Um, And I think that's a pretty smart play for them. 4.4% dividend yield, trades at 10 times this year's earnings, buys back a lot of stock. Um, If you take a look at it, it trades at 13 times next year, so there's expectations that things might not be groovy. So having a list and having some concepts, Disney, I feel pretty comfortable knowing that Disney is going to be in business in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And they're just starting to ramp up more Marvel superhero films, and they're just starting to ramp up Star Wars films. I see big dollars in their future. Frozen two, frozen three. Anyway, consult a broker advisor for kid action and the stocks mentioned. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial.